In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> beloved Orthodox Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ told her to the Jews that of judgment am I come into the world, that those who are blind may see, and those who see may be become blind. And in today's gospel we hear concerning one such person <clears throat> who was blind, but he became one who sees. Not only in his physical eyes did he see, but first of all he saw with his spiritual eyes. <clears throat> this man that was sitting near Jericho in the gospel according to St. Luke, his name is not mentioned, but the same man is mentioned according to his name in the gospel according to St. Mark. His name was Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus means the son of Timaeus. So Bar means uh, in Aramaic uh, the, the son. Therefore we know that this man was a blind man. His name was Bartimaeus. And he sat begging at the entrance of Jericho. Somebody who hadn't seen the light of the day. And from the little encounter that he had with our Savior. From this little passage of the gospel we are given depths of insight. Depths of insight concerning what is the true veritable relationship with God. What is the foundation upon which our relationship with God should be rested upon? What do we hear? That the man, as soon as he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, he started to shout out those blessed words, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. These very words are the foundation of our Jesus prayer. When we say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. That is where it comes from. One of the sources, right from the gospel, from the blind man that cried to our Savior. What do these words say about this man? And what, metaphorically also, we can apply to ourselves, what does it say about us? And on what our relationship with God should be based on. That the man had faith. That is the thing that we take from, to the, from his, from his uh, words. Faith both of confession, of truth about God, and also that faith which is called trust in God. For the fathers say that the faith, what we mean by faith, means both of these things. First is the confession of the truth about God, the doctrine, the dogma, the truth about God. And faith as in trust, when you have faith in somebody, when you have full trust in somebody. This man had both. And in the words that he pronounced, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He confessed that he had both of this faith, that his relationship with God was founded on this most unshakable foundation, which is the foundation of faith. How do we know that the man knew his faith? Because he called our Savior, thou son of David. What does it mean that he called thou son of David? It means that he confessed him as the Messiah, as Christ, because that is what the prophecies said, especially in the Psalms, that the Messiah, the anointed one, Christ, that is, should be the son of David, that is, from the lineage of King David of, uh, of uh, Judah, that is, of the whole Israel. And by saying that, that Jesus, thou son of David, he's confessing that he believes that our Savior is not a mere rabbi, he's not a mere prophet, he's not a mere holy man coming and preaching. He is the very Messiah, the very anointed one that God had promised to Israel, had promised to his fathers. And by saying that, he literally says, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. So therefore, we see that he's confessing that Jesus is the Messiah, unlike 
that lawyer that we heard last Sunday when he came up with our Savior saying, Oh, good master. That is, he only accepted him as a rabbi, as a teacher in synagogue. No, this man is different. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David. And what does he add? Have mercy on me. Therefore, by adding have mercy on me, he has, he's confessing that he has full trust that he whom he's calling has the power to have mercy, has the power to heal, has the power to do everything that he asks. Therefore, in these few words, this man showed that he had the foundation of faith in his heart. He was confessing our Savior of who he is, the Messiah, and he was asking him to have mercy upon him. And that was what our Savior told him, thy faith has saved thee, thy faith has healed thee, when he returned the sight to his eyes. Therefore, what we take from this, beloved Christians, is that the faith in God, true faith, not uh, false faith, not our understanding about God. No, what God teaches about himself, that is the holy orthodox faith, what the dogmas of the fathers confess, coupled with our full trust in God, these two kinds of faith together, are, is the basis of true, lasting, living relationship with God. And if any of these is missing, therefore our understanding about God is faulty, or we don't have trust in God as we should, then our foundations of relationship with God will also be shaky and not well-founded. This man had both of them, and that's why he received what he was asking, but not without an obstacle, not without a trial. For what do we see that when he started to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, People started to push him out of the way and say, quiet, be silent, do not shout, take your place away from... They were trying to put an obstacle between the man and our Savior. And that is exactly what we should apply to ourselves as well. Because, because we have faith, because we have true faith, and because we have been enlisted in the army of uh, our Savior... The demons will put many obstacles between us and our Savior. They will try to silence us also. They will try to put temptations in our lives. Constantly, the same ones, new ones, old ones, uh, novel ones, whatever they are, the temptations will always be there so that we get confused, so that we get lost, so that we lose our bearing. Just as this man, imagine a blind man, finally seeing in, with his spiritual eyes the man who will heal him, and the people around him are pushing him away and saying, go away from here don't, and, and shut up, don't shut your mouth, stop crying out uh, after our Savior. What confusion, what terrible despondency that, that man must have had. The same way when we are come upon many temptations in life, that, that daily, or they, as I say, they can be new temptations, old, or in, from family, from work, from friends, from our own selves, from wherever. Devil will always try to put temptations in our way. The same way we get confused, like this man must have gotten confused when they were trying to quiet him. But what did he do? And that is our salvation as well. Did he quiet down? Did he go away? Did he say, no, I'm confused, I'm just going to take my place? No, he shouted even louder. And that is 
an encouragement for us, but that when we are in temptation, instead of forgetting to pray, instead of giving up and throwing the towel and say, I give up, I can't with this anymore, we should shout even louder. That is the time when we should shout even louder. That is the time when we should give ourselves over to hope. That is what this man did. He gave himself over entirely to hope that by his persistent cries, God would be merciful unto him, even if these people were trying to silence him. Let us apply this to ourselves, beloved Christians, and look at Atom to when we are in temptations in that way. It is not the time to get confused when we're in temptations and to forget to pray. Yes, the temptations and obstacles are there that we're almost we're so fed up when they come again and again. But that is the time when we should put whatever energy we have, not in single battle against every single temptation, but handing ourselves over to God in prayer, insisting, persisting, without remittance to asking for help. And that, beloved Christians, this giving ourselves in persistence, per- persistent prayer to our Savior in times of temptation, this hope is when our Savior will truly reveal his consoling love towards us. That is the time when we are entirely put ourselves over in hope to our Savior that he with his mercy will save us. And whatever obstacle there is, whatever temptation we shall, he shall overcome for us, that is when he reveals his consolation. Therefore, we can see why the fathers say, Abba Isaac, the Syrian especially, that in times of this kind of all-encompassing prayer, when we truly put ourselves over to hope to God, is when we find true love to God and when we try find more reasons to love him. It's in times of prayer, in times of desperate cry to God, when we seek no help from anything else but from him, when Isaac the Syrian says, that is when we find more bond with God. That is when we find more reasons to love him, because in those moments is when he reveals his love towards us. Therefore, more than any other moment, therefore we see how this man had faith, and, thou, and when his faith was tried, when his faith was tra- tested, he handed himself over to hope. And because of his hope, he was consoled by loving God and he was given healing. Therefore, in this man's action, we have those three virtues upon which all the other virtues rest, as St. Paul says. Faith, hope, and above them is love. Therefore, if we... Remember, every time we are in dire temptations and obstacles, to cry to our Savior instead of going in a single-handed battle against whatever temptation is there in front of us, we shall see how he never lingers, how he never is late to come and to aid us as long as we truly, patiently hope in his aid. Son Isaac the Syrian again compares somebody who doesn't hope when the trial comes, as in somebody who is a a plowman, and it is time to sow the seed, but he sows it sparingly. He doesn't sow much as he should. That is what happens when we don't pray when we're in trial. If we don't pray, neither will we have the fruit of prayer, which is all the consolation that comes from God. It is the same when a plowman does when he sows only sparingly. What does he expect that he will receive in return? 
very little fruit. But if he sows without sparing his seed, when he, if he sows more and more and he understands that by sowing now, by working now, of putting the seed in the soil, he will receive great benefits. He will truly receive so. And that is the, what the, the comparison that Abba Isaac gives of a man that should be sowing without uh, uh, holding back the seed in times of prayer. More we pray in times of temptation, bigger will be the consolation. Today, beloved Christians, we celebrate a feast day of very special saints. And I wanted to finish with the explanation of the gospel, but it will be a crime not to mention the life of this beautiful saints. Because it's not many times that a saints day coincides on a Sunday when we uh, once in many years when we can come together and speak about such saints. Therefore, I will explain their life in a most uh, a short way, but all of us should try to read their life as well. Because this life of these two saints shows us that this love of receiving, having love for God, how amazingly many saints have taken shortcut to attaining to it. We know how many Steps are to attaining to love for God, but once in a while comes a life of a saint where we see a, a saint attaining to this love in a shortcut, in one step, in one great uh, uh, effort done, and he's there. He's attained to the love of God that we all seek. Who am I speaking of? That this, uh, the life is concerning uh, a, a stylet whose name was Theodulus and a lute player whose name was... Uh, my dear, it, it goes out of my mind. Cornelius, Cornelius, Theodulus and Cornelius. What is so special about the saints? Theodulus was a stylite, a man who had first served as an eparch in the country of Edessa, and then after giving up his, all his uh, uh, wealth and everything, his career, he decided to become a monk, and he mounted up on a pillar. And for 40 years he stood on a pillar, was a great intercessor for the whole country of Edessa and a great man of prayer. And when time had passed, a thought came to him. A thought came to him to now know how much he had attained in his spiritual struggles. What was the, the, uh, the, the prizes that he had won in his spiritual uh, struggles? So he asked that where would he inherit the, what would be his inheritance in the heavenly kingdom? And he received a voice from our Savior, saying, Theodulus, you have uh, been well-pleasing unto me, and that is why you will inherit the heavenly kingdom together with Cornelius the lute player. Now, a lute player, beloved Christians, in those days was somebody who was identified with a sinner. Somebody was, that was a jester. He was in the circus. He did the jests. He was a comedian. And he always was drunk. He always was in company of, on, of unbecoming uh, women of unbecoming behavior. Was somebody who you didn't associate with. Therefore, suddenly Theodulus receives an answer from a Savior saying that you will inherit the kingdom together with Cornelius, the lute player. And you should read the life, the, the terrible dire straits that this man falls into. And he asks, my Savior, what have I done? In what have I heard so much that... I, who have stood for 40 years on a pillar, should inherit the kingdom with a lute player. Somebody who is drunk all day and who is in company of, of prostitutes and so forth. So he, could, he lost his peace so much 
that he decided to come down from the pillar after 40 years not standing on, on the ground and to find who is this Cornelius de Lutple that has attained to the same heights as he and who will be his companion in the heavenly kingdom. So the men came down and went to Damascus for it said, the revelation said that Cornelius de Lutple lives in Damascus. So he enters Damascus and he asks one of the residents there who was in the street, first one to, to, to see him, and he says, can you tell me, do you know this man called Cornelius, who is a lute player? Oh, yes, of course, everybody knows him. He is there in the circus making, making the, the, the fool of himself. So the man had more, his heart shrunk when he heard that, that this man was known as a sinner by everybody. So, and he asked, can you accompany me and show me who he is? So they went towards the hippodrome, and as the, the races had finished, and Cornelius was coming out. He was drunk, he had in his hand loot in one hand, and he was being embraced by a woman of, of ill behavior from on the, being under his uh, arm, and they, she was kissing him and so forth. And the men indicate, that's Cornelius, that's the man you're looking for. And Theodulus almost lost his hope of salvation. And, but he, he took strength, and he said, thank you very much. He grabbed Cornelius by the hand, pulled him to the alley, and... and fell on his knees in front of him and said, Brother, tell me what good have you done in your life? What is the way of your life? Something hidden that you are an ascetic in hidden or something that you have done in your life? Tell me, I won't leave you. And Cornelius was so taken aback by this elder with, uh, with gray hair kneeling in front of him. And he said, Father, what are you saying? Can't you see who I am? I am a jester. I'm a comedian. I'm a lute player. What good have I? I have done no good. And Cornelius and Theodulo said, I won't leave. I won't get up on my knees until you tell me what good have you done in your life, something that your conscience tells that you did good. And Cornelius again said, don't embarrass me, please. And seeing that he wouldn't leave, Theodulus would not get up on his feet and wouldn't leave. Cornelius said, I have done no good in my life, but maybe there was one occasion when I did something that maybe God will take that <clears throat> into account and forgive my other sins because nothing else have done good in my life. And he asked, go on, son, say, what is it that you have done? And you think, and he said, some years ago, I was coming back from the Ibadrome in the middle of the night. <clears throat> and in this alley, I saw a young woman who was more beautiful than I had ever seen anyone. And me being a corrupt man, I went up to her because I knew that she was uh, there for a purpose of selling her own self for, for pleasure to men. And I approached her. And uh, after making few uh, jests and few advances, I, I uh, secured the price what, that I should, should, should pay. And at that moment, suddenly that girl broke down and started to cry. And I said, what has happened to you, woman? I haven't touched you. I haven't forced upon you. Why are you crying? And she told me her story, Cornelius said. She said, I am nobly born of parents that were nobles. I was given into marriage as a virgin, and I have kept my vows of matrimony with my husband throughout my life. But my husband turned out to be a man who is a, a foolish. And all my dowry that was given to him, he spent in drunkenness and in gambling and so forth. Not, so much, not only he spent everything, but he also went into debt of over 400 numismata, which was a great sum. 
And finally, those who, people who, to, to whom he was indebted came and, and asked the authorities to arrest him. And he was taken into prison, and I have, I have sold everything that I had. I asked the people that I thought they were my benefactors to help me. Nobody is there to help me. And I stretched my hands even for beggary, but nobody will give me money. And my poor husband is dying of hunger. I don't even have money to buy food for him, so he will be fed and not die of hunger in the dungeon. And finally, woe it is me that I have come to this, that I should sell my body so that I can have something of sustenance and to bring it to my husband. And Cornelius listened to this girl and he said, wait for me here. He ran to his house and he gathered all the savings that he had, everything, all the monies, all the jewelry, everything. He says even in the life that the jewels that his mother had given to him that one day he will get married, his wife might, might have it. Everything he gathered in one bag and came back to this girl and said, Sister, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're saying is the truth. But here it is. Take it and save yourself from this work and from, uh, save your husband. And then I turned back and came back to my house. When Theodulus heard this, he understood that this man with his one step of giving everything for his neighbor. He had put his life down for this girl he didn't know anything about. He had attained to that love that we all try through much struggle, through fasting, through prayers, through prostrations, all that that we try to do. This man, a jester, a comedian, once heroically putting his life down for his neighbor, he had attained to that love. And that is why this was counted to him as a blessing in, on, on par with Theodulus's 40 years on a pillar. And Theodulus understand how impossible it is to know man's heart and how God's ways are away from our judgments. That it is impossible to know a man's heart and man's good deeds, man's bad deeds. That is why to never judge. And that's he understood that in his humility he had to accept that this man had attained to the same heights as he had attained on the pillar. He got up, he embraced him, he blessed him, he said, correct your life, brother, correct your life, and we shall meet again. And Theodulus <coughs> returned to his pillar, and after some years he received another voice. Another saying of our Savior telling him in his heart, Theodulus, it is time for you to come, for Cornelius is waiting for you. He had reposed, and Cornelius was waiting for Theodulus in the heavenly kingdom. And they both are depicted together in the icons. The icon that we have at the monastery, Cornelius is, uh, Theodulus is on the pillar, and Cornelius is embracing the pillar on, on its base with a lute in his hand. They are companions in the heavenly kingdom. How wonderful are the lives of saints, beloved Christians. They refresh. There are food, there are water, there are air to breathe, to eat, and to drink. When seeing this, such marvels done in people as sinful as us, who will not love our God who has such mercy, who has such love towards us, and from, from a most miserable creature can make a saint, can make somebody sanctified, somebody who will be well-pleasing to him. Let us therefore love the saints and learn from them. From this, what we learned, how loving one's neighbor equals to everything that we do. And when we love our neighbor, we find God's love in that. 
and that but to attain the long way we should persist in our faith, in our hope, and to attain to that consolation which comes from loving God. And that there are numerous shortcuts that people who are heroically minded, people who are truly gems in a dung, but gems there, and our Savior knows how to find them, they are truly gems worth for, worth for the heavenly kingdom. Let us pray to that Bartimius, who was the, uh, the one who was blind, but so again, to Cornelius and to Theodulus, that they should intercede with us for us, and that we may also, together with them, attain to the heavenly kingdom. Amen.